You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 196 of Canadians Connection, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports, Mr. Rick Stevens. How's it going, Rick? Uh, it's going great. Uh, glad to have you back in the studio, and and uh, great timing um, because it's uh, we're we're less than three weeks away from the draft. It's Father's Day weekend. It's F one weekend in in Montreal. Lots of stuff going on. Um, but uh, you you had a you had some gigs last week, and and uh, Amy Johnson uh, very capably uh, filled in. Uh, but we're glad to have you back. Yep, uh, I still made sure I tuned into that. I always love to hear Amy Johnson on this podcast. And uh, I guess a, a special thanks for filling in while uh, I was away, uh, I guess, uh, doing uh, nicer things, we'll say. <laughs> you, had <laughs> but, uh, you had fun. You had fun. You, you uh, had a couple of, uh, of dates with your band. Yep. Uh, so I, I, I play drums uh, when I'm not in the studio recording podcasts. Well, sometimes and, uh, in the studio too. In yeah, every now and then. Yeah. You asked me to save it for the break. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I took a little trip through Ottawa, Kingston, Oshawa, just uh, some smaller uh, towns in uh, Ontario, not too far from here in Montreal. And uh, yeah, it's always fun. It, I enjoy going out and playing music and uh, meeting all sorts of new people. Funnily enough, I, I did uh, manage to talk some Habs, so I did squeeze that into my weekend. Lovely, so At lovely. least there was that. <laughs> You're recruiting, always recruiting. Oh, yeah. I'm always advertising that I'm a podcast host. Perfect. <laughs> so we've got a big show today. Um, here in the first segment, uh, we have some Habs news, including a trade. So we'll get into that. Then it's the Habs last week. J- just to interrupt you there, if you listen yeah. to last week, that's uh, episode one ninety five. I said that there was going to be something happening this week. Uh, I didn't know what. I said it was you know it was signing season. There was going to be something. There was going to be. Um, a transaction for us to talk about this week, and look, look what happened. It wasn't too hard to predict, given the amount of work that Ken Hughes has to do. But um, there we have it. We have a big trade to talk about. 
Yeah, not the trade that I think we expected, but uh, we'll uh, we'll get our full analysis on that in there. And uh, it was a it was a week, uh, I guess, a big week for the Laval Rocket. We'll update you on everything about that in the Habs prospect report. And then there's some uh, audio coming in from both uh, Kent Hughes and Shea Weber, followed by our uh, I guess news from around the NHL to end segment one. Then in uh, segment two, uh, Draft Insider uh, Sam Constantino will step in the studio uh, with Rick, and uh, they'll have a quick discuss. I guess a pretty good discussion about uh, the upcoming draft. So you'll m- want to make sure you stick around for that one. And that brings us to segment three. We have our Canadians question of the week, and we'll get you all set up for the upcoming week as a Montreal Canadiens fan. So, Rick, as as you know, this is a very uh, interactive podcast. Uh, what's the best way to interact with us? Well, why don't you text us? Uh, 5853ROCKET is our 24-hour Rocket Sports text line. You can also send us an email, and we got uh, several emails uh, this week about last week's podcast. Uh, Info at allhabs.net is our email address, or certainly reach out to us on social media. Yep, at Canadians Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow. So there were a couple of interesting headlines from this past week. Uh, to start, uh, Habs legend Yvonne Cornoyer was named Sports Personality of the Year at the Sports Celebrity Breakfast organized by the CJCS Foundation, which provides support for seniors. Following a two-year in-person absence, uh, the Cummings Center uh, Sports Celebrity Breakfast to benefit seniors in crisis and other seniors programs had a huge turnout. Uh, I think they managed to sell out and they raised over $320,000. And uh, well, uh, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield managed to stop by that. And really nice event, really nice uh uh, organization and uh, lots of former uh, Canadians in attendance, as well as um, Nick Suzuki, who will be in uh, Montreal for uh, the summer, and uh, Cole Caulfield, who's sticking around uh, at least till uh, for F1 weekend, which is uh, which I just mentioned. Well, uh, speaking of F1, uh, Formula One driver Fernando Alonso stopped by the Bell Center for a tour alongside Nick Suzuki, Josh Anderson, and uh, Cole Caulfield. The Habs players had a little bit of a photo slash video shoot and uh, presented Alonso with a number 14 Habs jersey. Number 14 jersey, but it did not say Suzuki on the back. It said Alonso, uh, which is fine. Uh, and some great pictures uh, as he wore the jersey. He left the the, uh, the Bell Centre and uh, headed out uh, to the paddock at uh, Circuit Gilles Villeneuve and walking through the paddock uh, wearing that jersey. Um, lots of, uh, lots of fan, both F1 fans and Montreal Canadiens fans commenting on that. We posted it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash allhabs if you missed it. Uh, and uh, come join us and and uh, and leave your comments there. Yeah, uh, it's nice to see uh, both uh, Suzuki and Caulfield are uh, out at, uh, I guess, taking a lot of photos out there and uh, providing some nice press for uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I hope those two become best friends personally. Best friends uh, on and off the ice would be great. Uh, the chemistry uh, the Canadians uh, expect those two to be two-thirds of the uh, the top line. 
and um, someone who won't be on the top line, that's Michael Pizzetta, but he's, he was also involved in the F1 uh, festivities, uh, festivities as well. There was a, a video of him um, in, a, um, in an F1 simulator. Uh, he seemed to have a little bit of fun with that. Yeah, he looked a little bit winded when he was stepping out of the simulator, <laughs> but uh, uh, maybe that was just me. <laughs> so make sure you check out Habs Notepad and Habs Headlines post appearing regularly at allhabs.net. So we have some roster news. Uh, the Canadians have officially confirmed uh, Francis St. Pierre as the new equipment manager. Uh, it was reported on last week's Canadians Connection podcast, but uh, officially confirmed this past week uh, by uh, the Montreal Canadians. And uh, big congratulations to Francis. Yeah, and I'll just say the assistant uh, equipment manager, um, we know that uh, – uh, we reported that last week. Uh, that's because uh, it was there was news out of uh, Ramuski where he was coming from. Uh, they spilled the beans. It took the Canadians a, a few days to uh, catch up. But um, a- as we talked about, uh, as I talked about with Amy last week, uh, Francis is is uh, Saint Pierre is is a guy we know. Uh, we've met. We've talked to. He's one of the nicest uh, hockey human beings uh, you could meet. Uh, we're happy for him and uh, glad that the Canadians finally got the news out. Montreal Canadiens prospect and uh, former first uh, round pick Logan Mayu will spend the summer rehabbing in Montreal. Uh, Logan underwent so- shoulder surgery in April and he'll be rehabbing for a number number of weeks at the Cortex offices. Yeah, interesting that he's not going to be at Broussard training, uh, not going to have access to the Canadians' uh, uh, staff, training staff, uh, but he'll be uh, at the Cortex. Remember Cortex management? That's where Ken Hughes came from. Um, uh, Logan Mayu's agent is Dylan Liptrap, uh, and he's going to be kind of supervising. Uh, they have uh, they have an ice rink at that facility. They have um, uh, workout uh, equipment. Uh, so he'll be doing some of his rehab there. Um, Kent Hughes in his media availability this week said they'd like Logan to attend a development camp, uh, see how he interacts with, uh, other prospects. And, uh, Chantal Maccabee, uh, said that she's looking forward, um, uh, to, a, uh, an opportunity to get to talk to him, uh, get to know him. And, uh, she said that she's been impressed with him, that he's been doing some, uh, great work, um, both on and off the ice. Montreal Canadiens have another defenseman in the news, uh, Otto Leskinen. He signed a one-year, two-way contract, uh, as announced on Tuesday. The contract is worth uh, $750,000 in the NHL, $300,000 at the AHL level. Uh, Leskinen is 25, and he's going to return for his second stint with the Habs. the first one coming 2019 to 2021. He played six NHL games and uh, 85 AHL games with the Val Rocket. A well-known co- quantity, uh, that is uh, Otto Leskinen. He's a very good defenseman. Uh, in fact, um, that last uh, stint that he had with Laval, uh, Joel Bouchard in 2020-2021, he was uh, Laval's best defenseman uh, that year. So nice to have him uh, back with Laval. Um, we expect a, a pretty good turnover, um, as there is all, all the, uh, every year with um, uh, AHL teams, but particularly this year because so many prospects will be coming in. Uh, 
Um, and uh, Laval was heavy laden with with uh, uh, AHL vets this past year. So it's nice to have another de- uh, defenseman in, and and he's someone, as you said, has some uh, a little bit of NHL experience. So uh, would provide that depth. Uh, for a call up if needed during the season for the Canadians. Yeah, he's uh, 25, like I mentioned, so a, a, maybe an older type prospect, but uh, it's uh, it's going to be nice to have him available at the AHL and uh, potentially available to fill in for some NHL games. Mm-hmm. So the big news this week uh, Montreal Canadiens uh, have traded away Shea Weber to the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for forward Evgeny Dadonov. Uh, this is, I guess, some salary cap juggling by the two teams. So, what's uh, what's your thoughts on this move? It's um, it, it's it's an interesting move. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, each team is taking on the other team's problem, um, and and you kind of um, you, you reach your tolerance with with a problem, and now each team will have a fresh tolerance with the new problem. Is that is that sad? <laughs> no, because uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, um, in the media availability, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more and get some quotes from Kent Hughes, but Kent Hughes wasn't really willing to go into. Um, he said, oh, no, it's too complicated for you guys to know about. It's, uh, you know, we'll get thick in the weeds in the CBA and, and um, and so he, he he this this doesn't help the Canadians' uh, salary cap at all. In fact, it makes it worse. Um, Shea Weber's contract was covered by LTIR, um, and now they're they're taking on um, uh, Dadnov's contract, five million dollars uh, in hard money, or five million dollars towards the cap anyway, uh, in hard money. So. That's an extra um, bit they're going to have to account for. Um, and for Vegas, um, you know, they've already tried to do this. They already tried to free up some cap space, free up in particular Dadanov's cap space. They, they had, uh, he, he wasn't part of their future. Uh, he was surplus uh, in, in, on their roster uh, so Vegas tried to trade him at the trade deadline uh, and thought they had completed a trade with Anaheim. Uh, that uh, kind of unraveled, um, and uh, Dadanov himself and his agent filed uh, a grievance through the NHLPA saying that he had a 10-team uh, no-trade list and that Anaheim was on it, that he had filed with the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators didn't bother to, um, when they traded him to... Uh, Vegas didn't bother to reveal that. Vegas didn't know. The NHL didn't know. It was a big mess. Uh, Dadnov had to go back um, to to Vegas and complete the rest of the season. Uh, made that situation a little bit messy. So Vegas was looking to um, uh, offload him in the in the off season. Um, and Vegas, uh, you know, in taking on a. a, a uh, dead money contract like Shea Weber, they were going to do the same thing uh, with Ryan Kessler's contract. Ryan Kessler hasn't played for a while, but in that Anaheim trade, so this 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 isn't unusual. And and for Vegas, um, they free up five million five million on their salary cap. Um, Shea Weber goes on LTIR, and uh, the bonus is that most of that money paid to Shea Weber. It doesn't even cost them in dollars because most of it is insured. 
so they 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 both save money, uh, real dollars uh, from their budget, as well as save money on their salary cap. It's a win win for for Vegas. Uh, for Montreal, uh, Kent Hughes said um, with the possibility that uh, Carey Price may end up on, you know, the, the situation's uncertain, uh, with a possibility that he might end up on LTIR as well, it was problematic to have $20 million. He didn't explain why, but he said um, it would be problematic if both ended up on LTIR. Uh, so they wanted to move uh, Shea Weber's contract. So, um, it's a start. It's, uh, you know, um, Ken Hughes said it was going to happen, said it almost happened at, uh, he almost traded Shea Weber's contract to Arizona. Arizona went, um, in a different direction with Winnipeg and Brian Little. We saw a week or so ago, uh, Buffalo, uh, took on, uh, Ben Bishop's contract. So they're kind of out of the, the picture, so the training, trading partners for that kind of transaction were getting fewer and fewer. Um, Vegas stepped up and, and the deal was done. Yeah, I would speculate that uh, Vegas could still end up trading Shea Weber's contract once more at some point this offseason, but uh, we'll wait and see on that. Uh, in terms of uh, Dadanov, uh, Montreal's getting a guy, I guess they can plug into their top six. Uh, uh, maybe he gets traded at the deadline. I don't know. I don't think that Montreal is going to be able to trade him again. It, otherwise, I don't understand this trade. Um, last year, he put up 20 goals, 43 points with Vegas. Uh, the last two teams he played for, Vegas and Ottawa, I felt like he put up some decent numbers in a top six role, but both teams were a little bit disappointed in his performance and especially with the money that he's making. For sure. And, and um, you know, at one time was a power play. Um, uh, performer and uh, a, a guy who's past his tri- uh, t- uh, his prime time and uh, is declining. Um, maybe there's an opportunity to if if his game is kind of rehabilitated, if he's able to be featured on a on a, a Canadian squad, um, uh, maybe he can be moved at the trade deadline for a pick, and then that would be a that would be a win for sure um, for Kent Hughes. Uh, it sets up a real difficulty, though, in that, boy, the Montreal Canadiens have an awful lot of wingers uh, yeah. and similar kinds of wingers. Um, so somebody's going to have to be moved uh, in the offseason uh, to balance things out. Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll follow this up with uh, I guess, who might be that next move. I, I think we know that Petrie's probably going to go maybe an Anderson, maybe a Druin. Uh, do you have any thoughts on who might be next to move? Uh, because with the current situation, I think somebody kind of has to go. For sure. Um, there, there's no doubt. And, and um, you know, Kent Hughes talked about um, uh, at his press conference this week, and we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more um, when we get to our quotes of the week, but he, he, he talked about uh, that Jeff Petrie is still a priority to trade, whether it's Dallas, whether it's Detroit, who both show an interest. Um, and, but as far as, as forwards, uh, the name this week that's been out there is Josh Anderson. Apparently there's lots of teams calling on Josh Anderson. Um, you know, Kent Hughes says uh, he's not interested in trading him, that he wants him to be part of the rebuild. Um, but he took that stance exactly with uh, Arturi Lekanen, said right up until the last moment that uh, that there wasn't um, a, a chance of trading him and then traded him. 
you know, it seems that this is this has become the method that Kent Hughes uses to uh, raise the price, saying that he's not interested, and then at the end, uh, Josh Anderson obviously would be. Uh, he again a fan favorite. Uh, we get that, and and he plays when he plays when he decides to play. Uh, he he has unique skills. He's a scorer. He a tremendous skater. Uh, he hits, um, but he's very streaky, and he goes long, through long droughts where he isn't contributing. Um, and and we saw that he's not a particularly good fit with uh, Suzuki. And Caulfield, um, so that contract, um, you know, if there's if there's a lineup um, and if there's people demanding, uh, certainly it would be nice to get rid of a Druan or or a Hoffman. But um, Ken Hughes, like it or not, uh, may not be able to turn down a very good offer for Josh Anderson. Yeah, and you're talking about uh, somebody who's maybe a bit of a streaky goal scorer, doesn't necessarily show up every night. Uh, it sounds a little bit like uh, Evgeny Dadnov. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you necessarily want to have two of those guys on your roster next year. Uh, we'll see. Uh, at the very least, I do think that Daddy could be, well, literally a daddy for this team, maybe a mentor for some of those younger guys, perhaps a Caulfield. Uh, Dadnov did spend a lot of years being a top-line guy with a really good center like Barkov and being a power play specialist. I think that, that maybe kind of mirrors a Caulfield a little bit, uh, being a top-line guy with Suzuki. So we'll see what happens there. I think this could be an interesting fit. And with respect to being a mentor, um, you know, don't play the same position, but it'd be nice yeah. to have a guy for uh, Alexander Romanov to talk to. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Help with some translation as well. Uh, Dadnov did do that for uh, defenseman uh, Artem Zub in Ottawa when mm-hmm. uh, Zub did not speak a word of English. So <laughs> that's a, uh, there you go. He's a translator. We'll say that. There you go. So now I, I think it's a good time to get to our Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report. Your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So the AHL Eastern Conference Final has concluded with the Laval Rocket falling short, losing their series four games to three to the Springfield Thunderbirds. Uh, throughout this series, neither team won back-to-back games, but uh, I think uh, you can agree that uh, Springfield was probably the more skilled and the better of these two teams. Yeah, no doubt um, that 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 we saw that in the regular season, um, and and Jeff Wool had his team playing on emotion, pure emotion, uh, feeling very confident. Um, but they were they were overmatched. Uh, better goaltending by Springfield, Springfield uh, better attack. Uh, if if Spring if Springfield had got their power play going earlier uh, in in uh, the, the 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 series, it could have been over much more quickly. Uh, and and let's also acknowledge that uh, Laval got a got a gift. Uh, that changed completely. Um, game four, uh, a goal that was clearly uh, scored after time had expired, um, and uh, an officiating mistake there had had given them life, and 
And, uh, you know, that, that could have been over in, in five games. Uh, you know, Laval had that advantage with three games in uh, at home in the middle of the series and a terrific crowd, just a great crowd supporting. Uh, but with Springfield uh, winning two of those games, uh, you know, it was kind of, uh, the, the, the outcome was, was, uh, was kind of predicted there. Although I have to say Laval went in, did a great job in, in, uh, game six, closer than the score, uh, appeared because of the empty nets and, and that sort of thing. But, um, they were completely, Laval was out of gas in, uh, game seven. Uh, they'd been playing with a reduced number of forwards, given the choices that, uh, Jeff Wool made and not wanting to, um, play as younger players, play Riley Kidney, play uh, Joshua Waugh, uh, and just a stellar, uh, outstanding um, uh, goaltending effort by Charlie Lindgren, uh, shout out in, in Game 7, uh, and Springfield won the series. There, it, it was um, great for a first-time uh, coaching staff, um, and, and and a lot of uh, good feel, and, and nice to get that that crowd back in uh, the, the building and, and uh, especially for the first time uh, playoff appearance for that franchise. Lots of good things to take out of this. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they just, uh, they, they did what they could with what they had, I guess. Yeah, very entertaining series. I think uh, the Laval Rocket have a lot to be proud of uh, during this season. They took a very, very good team to seven games, and that's not an easy thing to do. Yep. Uh, obviously, there were some injury problems with uh, Yelonen going down. Uh, I thought Caden uh, Primo had a really good playoff. He came in, and uh, he really solidified that position. But uh, credit to Springfield, uh, both their goaltenders and Hofer and Lindgren were stellar throughout this series, and uh, both uh, Will Bitten and Matthew Pekka were great for the Thunderbirds as well. Yeah, they were. Uh, that that line, um, Dakota Joshua was was a beast. McCarron, um, Will Bitten, um, they that the the Rocket had no answer for that particular line at all. Um, they were just they were just overmatched, um, and it's going to be interesting now to 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 see uh, how Springfield um, matches up. Probably a little bit better or a lot better than Laval would have against Chicago Wolves, who uh, go into this series uh, obviously the the favorite. Uh, they've been the best team in in the AHL all season long, and um, and they had a tough. Um, uh, 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 conference final against Stockton, who was the probably the number two team in the AHL. Um, so uh, again, a, a great season by Laval, and uh, they have nothing to hang their heads about. Yep, and you said it right there. Springfield Thunderbirds will face the Chicago Wolves in the 2022 Calder Cup final. Game one is actually tomorrow, June the 19th on Sunday. It's an afternoon start at uh, 3 p.m. So there's going to be plenty of good hockey to watch there. Uh, uh, you said that the Chicago Wolves are a very good team. Uh, we'll see how these two teams match up together, and uh, I'm excited for it. Uh, it's disappointing Laval's not there, but uh, I think the two best teams did get to the final. Yeah, and um, it, it yeah, AHL hockey is is excellent hockey. Um, there's going to this. There's going to be a great goaltending matchup in in the final. Um, Chicago's uh, power play is deadly. 
but we'll see what they do against uh, that Will Bitten line. Um, going to be a, a good series. Yeah, so it was locker clean-out day for the Laval Rocket, and, uh, well, JSD had a chance to speak to the media, the quote being, I think the Canadians uh, should take an example from us. And he went on uh, to add to that, uh, saying that at the time when the Canadians were winning, there were a lot of Quebecers. Uh, is this a coincidence? I do not think so. It's very special. I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this one, Rick. Uh, this in 2022, uh, language words like this are very, very disturbing, uh, really sad. Um, and it, what's also disturbing is that the media, especially the French media ran with it. It was the top story on RDS for, uh, an entire day. Um, and, um, you know, it, 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 I saw it, JSD, do you know JSD? Have you heard of JSD? If you haven't been following the, the uh, um, Laval Rocket, one of many um, uh, AHL veterans that they had, certainly not a prospect, uh, certainly uh, towards the twilight of his career, and, and uh, an AHL veteran, not someone who's uh, going to make an impact in the NHL. Uh, and I thought it was a little self-serving of him to uh, say that they want to, um, that first, the reason that they they were successful is because of a group of Quebecers, mostly uh, veteran uh, Quebecers. And, uh, you know, making a pitch, he went on to say some other things that were even more disturbing, making a pitch to keep this clique of Quebecers together to exclude Others, it just, the whole thing was uh, thinly veiled bigotry and and not the kind of talk we want to hear in in 2022. Um, You know, he talked about the, um, that, that Quebecers have much a, a much greater passion for playing for the Canadians organization than other players do which is silly. Um, he also talked about uh, Laval fans only being able to connect with uh, Quebec players. Again, um, you know, I, I, I'd take uh, Koivu, Saku Koivu and Mats Naslin and Kirk Price any day over um, Lapierre and, and Louis LeBlanc and Guillaume Latendresse, uh, you know, the passion. It, it's silly to, to say those things, especially in this, this era. Um, and, uh, you know, we know that, that veterans are, are uh, key to a successful AHL formula and to mentor um, the younger players, but you don't want these attitudes to be... Um, ingrained with with the younger player you don't want them passing on that kind of stuff um and the other thing is that you need um you need veterans who know their role who know that they're on the twilight side of their career who know that they can't take up all the the spotlight on the ice they can't take up all the oxygen in the um in the dressing room they have to know their role that's crucial for development especially in Laval with so many prospects coming in they didn't have prospects many prospects this year um and and uh, you know after the firing of Mark Bergevin Jeff Wool and his coaching staff were left on their own because remember Scott Mellenby who looked after Laval 
also left the organization. So they were left to their own devices. I don't think that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gorton, with as much as they have uh, invested in prospects, are going to allow this kind of nonsense to uh, to continue. Um, it's it's really sad. You you want you want the the um, the prospects going into uh, experiencing experience success and failure and development, and you want them to learn to lead. And if there's these domineering um, uh, veterans, especially those who are are saying that that uh, they must prioritize Quebecers, um, you know, they're they're excluding the others. And and we've heard from Jeff Uhl throughout the season saying that um, that he that he had to step in because French was dominating the Laval bench in the locker room so much. So he, he reminded his players many times that the language of pro hockey in North America is English to be inclusive. Um, and so if he brings back this same group of veterans, particularly a JSD who have this mindset, uh, that's not a healthy environment for development in Laval. So um, I, I thought it was, you know, Jeff, uh, uh, Jeff was asked about these comments. He he backtracked away. He ran away from these comments. Um, I just thought it was a, a really sad little stain that was left at the end of a very successful season for Lavelle. Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing to hear, and uh, I, I have to f- kind of feel bad for uh, some of the other guys like Yelonen or Caden Primo, who are not Quebecers but played a huge role on this team. I mean, mm-hmm. they they were you know heart and soul guys, and uh, even looking at the Montreal Canadiens organization right now, I mean, that kind of discredits guys like Carey Price or even a Gallagher who love this team and they've poured their heart and soul into it. So. Uh, like I think you put that very well. It's just uh, it's disappointing that that stuff is still happening in uh, the year twenty twenty two. Well, just to 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 support that, that you know, yes, Gallagher is described as a heart and soul guy. Carey Price says his identity is wearing the CH uh, that of who he is as the goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens. Um, you look at uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Let's look at the the Stanley Cup finalists. The Colorado Avalanche, they have no players on their current roster from Colorado. Tampa Bay Lightning, no players on the current roster from Florida, except they they are both teams who uh, have players who are passionate in playing for, for those two organizations. And on the other side, you have fans that are rabid about and, and identify with, uh, with, you know, uh, players who are, are not from uh, from their area. So for JSD to say, no, fans need players who look like me and sound like me is just uh, is xenophobic and, and, and we don't like to see that kind of uh, thing going on. I, I remember growing up cheering for the Montreal Canadiens um, and I identified with, with uh, Francophone players and Anglophone players and players from Europe and uh, you know it, uh, for a kid um they don't care they don't care where the players from they just care if they're good um th- this is this yeah this gets into dangerous territory and I know I've, I've, I'm a little bit passionate about this but I just don't like that kind of stuff seeping in uh especially with 
the Canadians already uh, swimming upstream, having to uh, combat the, the, the Bill 96, and we don't get into politics here, but that's going to have a chilling effect on, on free agents and, 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 and player agents as they uh, recommend whether to come to Montreal or not. Yeah, uh, that's very well put. I agree with all of that. So we'll take a look at some other Montreal Canadiens prospects. Uh, prospect Jan Mishak and uh, Arbor Jackey, who had two assists uh, as the as the Hamilton Bulldogs beat the Windsor Spitfires six to one in the final, and uh, they move along to, uh, after winning four games and uh, Spitfires only winning three. Mishak put up eleven points. Uh, Jackey put up an astounding sixteen points. Um, and honestly, Arbor Jackey has been absolutely stellar throughout these playoffs. He has, um, in in many respects, both points of physicality. We we saw he had a, a Gordy Howe hat trick. Um, Jan Mishak, who's had some uh, AHL experience, uh, is a hockey player. He's a key component um, to to that uh, Hamilton squad. And and in Game Seven, they take the OHL final and earn the OHL berth into the Memorial Cup. So um, great for, for the Canadians organization to have two prospects from the OHL. Um, and uh, we'll talk about the Memorial Cup in a sec. Yeah, uh, there's also Canadians prospect Caden Gooley, who had a goal for the Edmonton Oil Kings as they beat the Seattle Thunderbirds 2-0 to win the WHL final 4-2. Uh, Gooley was actually named the MVP of the WHL playoffs. And uh, just like Jack Eye, he put up 16 points, and uh, he's been an absolute monster for these Oil Kings throughout the playoffs. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's belligerent. <laughs> he's nasty. Uh, he's he's been terrific in in the playoffs. Not a surprise that um, he was selected as the MVP of the N- of the uh, WHL playoffs. Um, uh, we, if you go back to last week's um, uh, Canadians Connection episode one ninety five, you'll be able to hear some audio from uh, of from Caden Gooley and his mom makes a, a cameo as well. Um, but, uh, Caden Gooley getting back to that, that team, uh, Edmonton paid a ransom, um, a pretty steep price, uh, six player return to Prince Albert for Caden Gooley, but he's been worth every, um, every ounce of that. Uh, he's been great and, uh, pretty strong, uh, Edmonton Oil Kings team, uh, going to the Memorial Cup. Unfortunately, though, the season is over for Xavier Simino and William Trudeau as uh, the Shawinigan Cataracts beat the Charlottetown Islanders 4-3. to uh, Shawinigan won the QMJHL Final Series 4-1. to uh, Simino had 21 points and uh, Trudeau put up uh, a nice 11 points. They did, uh, you know, they, they tried, um, but just one, one win for... Uh, Charlatan in in that uh, series, Shawinigan uh, winning the, the the Q final and moving on to the Memorial Cup. And well, the Memorial Cup will begin June the twentieth in St. John's, New Brunswick. Uh, the four teams participating: Edmonton Oil Kings, Hamilton Bulldogs, Shawinigan uh, Cataracts, and St. John's Sea Dogs. Uh, you'll see plenty of Habs prospects in this tournament, and uh, it's going to be a lot of good hockey. So June 20th, make sure you tune into that. Uh, St. John's Sea Dogs are the host, uh, th- so that's how they got their entry, and then the winners of 
the OHL, WHL, QMJHL finals. Um, the Montreal Canadiens, with those three players that we mentioned, Meshach, Jackai, and Gouli, will have the most prospects playing at the Memorial Cup uh, this year with three. Uh, only other teams to have multiple uh, players are uh, Calgary with two and Dallas with two. So be sure to read all the content at ahl.report and listen slash subscribe to the Press Zone. Last week's podcast uh, was a discussion of the Calder Cup, Calder Cup Conference Finals with Amy, Rick, and AHL guru Patrick Williams. So we have our quotes of the week. Uh, Montreal Canadiens, as we mentioned at the top of the show, have traded Shea Weber to Vegas in exchange for Evgeny Dadnov. Kent Hughes spoke about Weber's impact on the team and his legacy. I mean, I've always admired him from afar. I would, I would see him, you know, at NHL awards ceremonies most summers in Vegas or things of that nature and just say a quick hello. But I, I even though he wasn't around a lot, his presence was really felt. I felt his presence. You, you talk to the players and everybody around it. And I think that was one of the biggest things that, um, you know, we we heard from players is that, you know, his his absence created a leadership void. That he was that kind of a presence, and and uh, that you know he he really helped steer the ship off the ice. And and those types of people don't come around every day. They're not when you have them in an organization, you're lucky. And, and we had that. And the, the the few times that I met him in Vancouver and in Montreal, he seems like a great guy, very quiet, uh, unassuming. Um, you know. It's almost surprising to have a guy that plays that hard and, and uh, you know, can play through the kind of pain and significant injuries that he did. It can be so quiet, not assuming off the ice. Shea Weber was um, an enormous presence on the ice um, and uh, a leader that, uh, that the team was willing to follow. Um, uh, uh, he, uh, Kent Hughes talked about the, the leadership void um, it was made worse uh, by the fact that when you look at the Stanley Cup final appearance by the Canadians, that team was led by Shea Weber, Carey Price, Corey Perry, and and uh, Mark Stahl. Um, uh, it, or, sorry, Eric Stahl, not Mark Stahl. Uh, Eric Stahl. Um, and all four of those uh, players were, were absent um, last year. And so it, it left a huge void uh, in the room. And, um, you know, Shea Weber, despite dealing with, um, you know, enormous uh, uh, physical injuries, um, we heard that he'd have to go in hours and hours and hours before uh, a game to get himself ready to play uh, in, in la- the, the last Stanley Cup uh, playoff uh, run that the, the Canadians were involved in. Um, and, Players seeing that kind of commitment, and then seeing the way he played—that's uh, that's the kind of leader that you want. Um, you know, one of the best captains uh, that the Montreal Canadiens have ever had. He—he uh, he was quiet. He wasn't a media favorite. He—he uh, he was, uh, you know, as 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 even Kent Hughes says, uh, he's he's just. Uh, um, very much um, uh, a, a caring kind of guy, but in a quiet way. Um, you know, he was always the guy who would uh, arrange dinners for 
to welcome new new members of the team. He was always the guy that was arranging events on the road, uh, and even while he was uh, out of the lineup, um, he he traveled with the team and and uh, and performed his role as captain. You know, Mark Bergevin. Um, is criticized, justifiably criticized for a lot of things, but he made a hockey trade in trading Shea Weber uh, for P.K. Subban. And I don't think, I know there's, there at one time was the Subanistas out there, but uh, th- there is no question uh, that that was the best trade for the Montreal Canadiens and the best trade on the resume of Mark Bergevin. Shea Weber gave everything he could until his body um, uh, couldn't do any more. Um, and and he should be respected for the wonderful captain he was. Yeah, you said one of the best captains in Montreal Canadiens franchise history. I, I personally think he might be one of the best captains in the NHL ever. Uh, I don't think it would have mattered where he went. He would have ended up with a C on his chest at some point. So yeah. too bad that uh, injuries got the best of him, and uh, we have another quote here from Kent Hughes in uh, regards to those career-ending injuries. You know, everything that we've heard from our doctors is that um, physically he's in he's in really tough shape. And I, I think I answered or, or may have mentioned that, that if I thought he was coming back uh, anytime soon, we wouldn't be trading his contract, uh, maybe post-trade deadline. Somebody had asked me something to that effect. So, you know, we've always worked off the assumption here that, that Shea's injuries are, are, are debilitating and, and will make it impossible for him to return to play. So, um, I, I think that's, you have to understand that, um, that, that general managers and the players in the situations because of the LTIR rules, uh, there's not a lot that they can say. And that's why we haven't heard from Shea Weber. Um, because you know, any slip and, and that jeopardizes the league is watching these things, uh, so carefully, um, for for tampering or for misuse of of the uh, the LTIR uh, designation and and so uh, you know I think that's the closest um, that that Ken Hughes has come to say that uh, you know we won't see him on the ice again saying that if we thought that he was going to have a chance of returning um, we, we wouldn't have traded him um, because he's that valuable to the club um, and and. Uh, so it's, it's, it's just a difficult situation and, and um, it's a kind of, of careful, um, uh, the, the careful nature that, that makes people ask questions and makes, frankly, uh, some people, both fans and media, say some stupid things about the motivations. Uh, you know, Shea Weber would love to uh, be at every game. He would love to talk to the media. Well, maybe he wouldn't love it. Uh, given the questions they ask, but, um, but he's, he's limited. And, uh, and so that's, that's how that's playing out. And, and obviously the uh, Vegas doesn't expect Shea Weber to ever, um, uh, to, to ever play in their lineup. To, uh, they, they have their reasons and we've talked about them earlier um, for trading for his contract. Um, but this is this is part of the business of, of hockey that's uh, that's sometimes hard to understand and sometimes hard to accept. Yeah, uh, despite uh, the con, I guess uh, the comments that Drew Ann had midseason, uh, 
basically saying that uh, Shea Weber's retired. Uh, you have to be careful about this stuff. I know that if Shea Weber comes out and officially retires, that uh, that puts the Nashville Predators in a bit of a weird spot. There'll be some uh, penalties for that. So you you certainly you have to be careful about that. And uh, like you said, Vegas acquired him essentially to have him on LTIR. That's that's something that we see quite often uh, in the the NHL nowadays to do uh, some, I guess, some cap. Uh, like gymnastics, we'll call it. <laughs> so there's that. And uh, I, I guess uh, we do have some audio coming in from Shea Weber as well. And uh, Now, this is a, a statement that uh, that Shea released. Um, and, uh, and I'll just read. Uh, this was written by Shea Weber. Um, uh, growing up in, in playing hockey in Canada, it's every kid's dream to play in the NHL. I consider myself extremely fortunate to have not only done that, but to have had a chance to do so for a Canadian team and a member of the original six. Never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined playing for let alone being named captain of the Montreal Canadiens. Pulling on that legendary jersey every night was one of the greatest honors of my career, and it's something I appreciated every chance I got. I want to thank my teammates, coaches, trainers, management, the entire organization, Jeff Molson and the Molson family, the Montreal media, and most of all, the Montreal Canadiens fans for embracing me and my family and making the city feel like a second home. Montreal will always be in my heart. And that, again, a statement from Shea Weber. Yeah, that, uh, that's a statement that uh, will make you tear up a little bit. Uh, very well uh, written. Uh, Shea Weber is probably one of the most professional hockey players ever. And uh, yeah, great statement from him. For sure. So we have uh, some hockey news and notes uh, from around the league. I'll uh, just start off with a little reminder that the NHL entry draft in Montreal is coming up pretty soon, July the 7th and 8th at uh, the Bell Centre. And uh, I'm looking forward to being there alongside some of my other Rocket Sports media colleagues. Uh, if anybody does recognize us, which I, I don't expect you to, uh, feel free to come <laughs> say hi. For sure. <laughs> and uh, Rocket Sports, we've with All Habs Hockey Magazine, we've done this. Uh, for many years, um, is uh, the team going to uh, the draft? Um, started in 2009, that draft in Montreal, and uh, a, a, a partnership we have with the NHL. And, and uh, it's been, it's one of my favorite uh, events on the NHL hockey calendar. Um, and, um, you know, we understand the reasons for the, the virtual draft. The last two seasons, uh, but it's nice that uh, it will be held in person at the Bell Center uh, in July. And um, and yeah, many of our our uh, Rocket Sports uh, contributors uh, and personalities will be there, and uh, hope you will be too. So the NHL coaching carousel continues. Uh, this week we heard from Kent Kent Hughes uh, about the checklist of qualifications that the Montreal Canadiens used to select Martin St. Louis as their head coach. We are looking for an experienced, respected coach, you know, preferably somebody with extensive NHL head coaching experience. We are looking for somebody with a lengthy track record of success. We were looking for somebody that had a demonstrated ability to introduce structure and reduce goals against, improve penalty killing, make life easier for our goaltenders. Uh, we are looking for somebody with a proven ability to hold players accountable to a high standard. 
uh, you know, standard of, of, of conduct on and off the ice, a standard of play, a standard of team orientation, uh, you know, a standard of, of what you put into, into your game. Uh, we are looking for somebody with a proven ability to develop young players. I'm really sorry, Michael. That's the wrong clip. That I'm, uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that uh, you know, I, something I knew something was wrong when he said we were looking for an experienced, respected coach. Um, uh, that wasn't sounding like Marty Saint Louis. A lengthy track record of success, proven ability to hold players accountable. Now, the only one that might apply was was his proven ability to develop young players. Of course, Marty has experience with 10 and 11 year olds there. Um, so this was, um, yes, this was Cliff Fletcher when he was talking about uh, the criteria for hiring uh, the Philadelphia Flyers head coach. Uh, we just thought we'd play that to, to show um, how Teams value things a little bit differently um, around the league. And, of course, uh, really the only criteria uh, for Marty St. Louis or the, the Canadians head coach was making hockey fun again, uh, from what we heard. Um, anyway, uh, we, we, we've had this debate before, but we just thought we would um, shine a bit of light on it by showing what other teams are doing. Of course. And, uh, well, I guess speaking of making hockey fun again or not, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers have hired John Tortorella as their head coach. So, I mean, from a pure, like, branding perspective and what uh, the Flyers have been over uh, their time in the league, this seems like a pretty good fit. Uh, I am a little bit concerned that this is going to turn into 80s and 90s-style hockey and uh, a little bit of a bloodbath in Philly. Yeah, um, you know, John Tortorella has mellowed. To a certain extent, um, he was uh, he got all, he was he was very happy in his uh, press availability, um, but there was a little bit of com- combativeness with the, the media as the longer it went along. I think, you know, um, they say the team takes on the the identity of, of the coach or the personality of the coach. I, I think that's a nice fit in in Philly with Tortorella. Uh, they said they started with. Um, a list of 50 candidates, I thought, <laughs> what do you need that for? Um, pretty easy to get down to uh, to the, the, the short list for sure. Um, a, a good fit in, in, um, in Philly uh, with uh, John Tortorella. Yeah, John Tortorella, I thought he did pretty well uh, during his time in Columbus. He uh, really elevated that team quite a bit. So I'm excited to see what he'll do uh, over in Philadelphia. For sure. And... Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have hired uh, Bruce Cassidy as head coach. Um, personally, I'm a big Bruce Cassidy fan. I think this is a, a nice pickup. But uh, I know just before we uh, started uh, the podcast, you mentioned that uh, Cassidy's uh, coaching style seems awfully similar to Pete DeBoer. He he he. Well, both um, from a defensive style, Cassidy, a very defensive coach. Um, I think he can, um, you know, maybe. Uh, deal with some of the issues that uh, were plaguing the power play and, and so on Vegas. Um, but the, 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 the Golden Knights management is just impatient, <laughs> very impatient. Um, and so they, uh, it, a bit of a surprise that Pete DeBoer was fired, a bit of a surprise for that matter that uh, the Bruce Cassidy was fired in, in Boston. And now they, they find a, an agreement there. 
one last t- uh, team for uh, Barry Trotz. Um, you know, where where might he go? Might it be Detroit? Might it be back to Nashville? Might it be his uh, home province of uh, of Manitoba and, and going to coach the Winnipeg Jets? We'll we'll see. Well, it's uh, it's certainly possible that he could end up in Florida as well. Uh, the Florida Panthers are interviewing a full slate of experienced head coaching candidates, while interim head coach Andrew Burnett uh, must wait and learn the outcome. Uh, Burnett was actually up for the Jack Adams this year. Uh, he was a finalist. And, uh, well, Florida had a pretty good regular season. They were right at the top of their division, but uh, maybe stumbled a bit in the playoffs. Interesting to see a team that has a Jack Adams finalist as uh, their coach, and uh, they're still going to do a full uh, search and in interviewing other candidates as well. Now, um, you know, some might might uh, turn their head and wonder why, uh, if you have uh, a runner-up to for a Jack Adams uh, in Andrew Burnett, but this is a situation, and not so different from Montreal. The the, the result was was polar opposites, but. Um, a, a, a situation where Andrew Burnett stepped in as the interim. And at the end of the year, um, the Florida Panthers are saying, yes, uh, the team won the, uh, the president's trophy. Um, uh, Andrew Burnett is a Jack Adams finalist, but we want to make sure that we have the best possible coach because we want to win the Stanley cup. So we're going to do a proper um, uh, full search and bring in a Pete DeBoer and, and Travis Green and Rick Tockett and, and Barry Trotz and Paul Maurice. And, um, and, and even if Andrew Burnett is named head coach that they, you know, um, he has beaten out all of those, all of those folks, the job just wasn't handed to him. Um, very, very different approach than, than in Montreal. You, you look even at a Bruce Boudreau who, um, the, the management there said, ownership said, um, you know, part of a season, you, you were tremendous, certainly much better coaching record uh, than St. Louis, but we want to see you in a full year uh, before committing long term, so we're only going to give you a one-year contract. Um, again, uh, teams valuing, uh, they, they want performance, they want, uh, they want wins, they are per, uh, chasing a championship uh, so conducting proper, full, um, uh, professionally-led co- uh, coaching searches. Yeah, we've seen it many times around the league where we have an interim head coach come in mid-season. All of a sudden, this team starts doing really, really well, and then uh, he's ex- extended almost immediately after the season. Um and to be honest, how many times does that really work out? I feel like more often than not, these guys end up getting fired before the end of their contracts. But uh, I, I do like that uh, Florida is taking the time to do a full search. And you know what? If uh, Burnett beats out guys like Trotz and uh, some of the other ones you mentioned, then, hey, full credit to him. Mm-hmm. He's clearly the best one available. For sure. The Chicago Blackhawks have interviewed Luke Richardson for the position of head coach. Uh, I, I like Re- Luke Richardson quite a bit. He's He's been, um, I, I guess, in the running to try and be a head coach for a number of years now. I, I hope he has an opportunity. He has AHL head coaching experience. Uh, he stepped in um, at times uh, in the last uh, two seasons for, for Montreal. Um, and uh, he's, he's well-regarded uh, throughout the league. So 
We reported last week uh, that Chicago had uh, asked for permission to speak with them. That was granted. Luke Richardson has had one interview, uh, one successful interview with Chicago. He has moved on to a second interview stage. He's going to have that uh, soon. We don't know who the other candidates are, although in that situation, again, um, uh, Chicago had fired uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Colleton last November. Uh, Derek King stepped in as the interim, and even though he's the interim, Chicago uh, decided yeah, Derek King will get an interview, uh, but they were going to do a full uh, search. Uh, and Brad Shaw, an assistant in Vancouver, was reported uh, as one of their other candidates, uh, but Luke Richardson and uh, Kent Hughes said that, um, that uh, to his knowledge, uh, Luke Richardson will only uh, leave the Canadians if he's given a head coaching uh, opportunity. So uh, he wouldn't go for a parallel move. Yeah, and uh, nice to see that uh, he is being allowed the opportunity to interview with some other teams. I know that not every team allows their coaches and assistant coaches to do that. So I, I think that's kind of, I, I'm happy that the organization is allowing him to do so. I'll uh, say that. For sure. Uh, so we have our Stanley Cup playoffs update. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche currently lead the Tampa Bay Lightning 1-0 in the Stanley Cup final following a 4-3 to overtime win. Uh, Perry is in his third straight Stanley Cup final on his third different team. Uh, he hasn't won a cup yet in these uh, three years. We'll see if that changes this year, if uh, Tampa can uh, win again. And then on the other side for the Avalanche, Lekkonen is in his second straight cup final, uh, two different teams. He's been a huge contributor for the Avs so far and seems to be really well-liked by all his teammates. Uh, just mentioned Corey Perry. Um, as you said, he's been on the losing side with Dallas and Montreal, and both of those clubs beat by Tampa. So Perry decided, okay, <laughs> I can't beat him. I'll join him and is part of the Tampa club this year, although they had their, their hands full with Colorado. Um, Pierre Lebrun had a, an article out uh, this week about Colorado and their pursuit of Arturi Lekkonen. Uh, and apparently it was uh, an absolute full court, uh, court press. Uh, Kent Hughes uh, kind of said over and over and over again that he wasn't trading a Lekkonen, uh unless he got his price. And uh, at the final hour, he got his price, uh, which was uh, which was turned out to be an excellent trade for uh, both teams. Um, the Lekkonen was was interviewed. Uh, and and uh, it was funny, Kent Hughes said in his availability that, um, you know, he went to see Lekin in the, at, it was a practice, and he was coming off the ice, and this is the day before the trade deadline, and said uh, said to Lecky, are, are, are you hanging in there? Uh, your name's been out there quite a bit. And Lecky says, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Um, uh, I just figured all of this was none of my business. Um, the hockey's a business, and... And I know you're going to do what you're going to do. So uh, why it shouldn't? Why should it bother me? That sounds exactly like something Lekkonen, uh would say. Uh, Joe Sakic, when he was interviewed, um, we remember in Montreal that the media mocked Lekkonen mercilessly, um, and and uh, you know he wasn't. He, he had no hands. He had no skill. He couldn't score a goal. The almost lucky hashtag. Um, the, it, it was, it was awful. And, and his usage in Montreal, other, 
other than right up until when he was being showcased to trade, was uh, he was placed with slugs. He was not given opportunity on the power play. Now that he's in Colorado, he's been in the top six. He's on the first wave of the power play, and he's contributing. And Joe Sackick said that they watched the Canadians for a long time and said, uh, quote, and he was definitely on our radar, radar for the type of player we were looking at. He's been everything we thought he would be since acquiring him. Uh, first of all, he's a great person. He works extremely hard. He's versatile. He can play anywhere up and down your lineup. He's um, got a motor on him, never takes a shift off. He's been a great fit for us. One of those guys, he's really smart, really competitive, knows who he is, and I just love the way he competes. Uh, he's beloved by his teammates uh, in the locker room. Um, and, um, and the other part of it is that, uh, they were not just acquiring him as a rental day. He had a, an extra year on his contract. So they were require they were acquiring him to fit in for the long term. It's really nice to see his success, his contributions, the, the way he's a, a clutch player, a, a, you know, uh, was always contributing game winning goals. Um, very happy for his success. And, uh, and, and that he's in a situation um, where uh, folks just love him. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Joe Sackick had his heart set on acquiring Lekkonen. And honestly, I think Joe Sackick is a very smart man. That seems to be a match made in heaven uh, for Lekkonen in Colorado. So I'm really happy to see that there's some success there. And uh, we'll see. I mean, uh, I think uh, Lekkonen has a very good chance at a cup this year. For sure. So uh, there were uh, some comments by Carolina Hurricanes forward Max Domi that uh, upset some Habs fan. Um, Rick, uh, what what exactly were these comments? <laughs> Max Domi, former Canadians forward Max Domi. Um, as uh, his uh, season came to an end with Carolina Hurricanes, did something that, that many players do and posted a message uh, to thank the organization, thank the fans, uh, on his Instagram, uh, but apparently it ruffled a lot of uh, feathers in the Montreal fan base. Uh, this is what he said, uh, Max Domi. The moment I became a Hurricane, I knew it was something different. Such an impressive organization, top to bottom, and truly the best team I've ever played on. It's an honor to play for this coaching staff who are second to none. Kaniacs, you're one of a kind. You made PNC Arena the loudest arena I've ever been in. This wasn't the outcome we wanted, but I'll cherish this season, the culture that was built, and the memories I have for a lifetime. Beyond grateful to my teammates who welcomed me into the locker room with open arms, all love for you guys. Thank you for welcoming me into this family. There's no place like Raleigh. Um, so <laughs> I guess I guess some Canadians fans took it as a slight took it as a slight uh, that, you know, he, he said he had better coaching staff. Uh, he's in a better organization. He played in the loudest arena. Um, all of those things. Um, I, I wouldn't take it like that. Listen, there's the, there, there, the, to be at the Montreal, at the Bell Center for a Canadians game, particularly a, um, a playoff game is a unbelievably special experience. Um, but I tell you, if you go to the United Center in Chicago, if you go to uh, Vegas, um, those are arenas too who, that are a tremendous fan experience. I've never been to the PNC Arena in um, in Raleigh, but um, you know I have no doubt that 
that Max Domi's being very genuine here in his love for for the organization, and sometimes it's just a a better fit. So uh, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't take this as a slight. I, Max Domi wasn't doing this. Um, didn't really have anything to do with in Max's mind with the Canadians. He was just trying to show his love for the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. Max Domi, in the middle of what he was recording, he wasn't going to say, actually, my time with uh, Montreal was much better. Uh, players players don't do that. To, players believe that their fans are the best fans. They believe their team is the best team. I don't really think there's much to read into here other than Max Domi plays for the Carolina Hurricanes and he filmed a video for the end of the season. So coming up, uh, we'll hear from our sponsors, and then it's uh, the big topic segment. Uh, Sportsnet Draft Insider Sam Cosentino will join Rick Stevens in the studio. Stay with us. This is Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Are you looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? Well, with DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, Thanks so much prior to uh, that spot there from DraftKings to Michael Spinella for the great uh, setup of this segment. I am your host for this segment, Amy Johnson, joined, of course, uh, by my co-host here in the studio, Rick Stevens. We are glad uh, to have you here with us, and we are very glad to welcome back to the show. Uh, It's been a little while since we've had the pleasure of getting to chat with our friend and colleague, Sam Cosentino, NHL Draft analyst analyst from Sportsnet, but we are certainly glad to have you back on the show today, sir. How are you? I'm so happy to be back on the show. It's been it's been a long time. Things are going well, thanks. And uh, I'm wishing you and all of your listeners the very best here and, and what's uh, an exciting time here for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, we thank you for that. And we agree. It's it's uh you know, it's an exciting time for certainly for the Montreal Canadiens and their fans, uh, but really for just hockey fans in general and every every team in the league. Um, first, Sam, I just would love to get your your perspective on, you know, there's plenty of talk about how it, this is a unique draft in that there are three uh, players who are really tight in the race for who's going to end up wearing the Montreal Canadiens jersey of the first overall pick. But not only that with the uniqueness of that, but just all of the lead up to the draft still not being quite, quote unquote, 
normal. You know, there's there's world events going on that have made uh, scouting perhaps a little more difficult still this year, whether it's pandemic related, whether it's uh, things happening in, in Russia, Ukraine, um, all sorts of just all sorts of obstacles to, you know, what, what we consider kind of the normal lead up to a draft. Can you just describe a bit what what truly makes this year's draft really unique and different? Well, those things for sure, Amy, but we also have to consider the fact that you're looking at players who through the pandemic have had various levels of developmental time from the Ontario Hockey League didn't play last year. A couple of players were able to go over to to Europe and and find their way for at least a small number of games in the Western Hockey League. You had a very limited schedule that was, uh, you know, um, confined to, to, to bubbles. Um, and in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, you had kind of schedule that was all over the map, fits and starts. Um, and so when you look at the most important, you know, developmental years, your draft minus one year. And for a lot of these players, uh, they've missed significant time in that developmental uh, pathway. So that's what makes it unique, because as much as you can go and see in person and, and look at video, you're still missing that element of of game experience and I think that's so key in trying to figure out uh, and project what a player is going to be for you having said that this is the most normal that we've uh, had in terms of the scouting season in the last three years so there is that to fall back on I think teams improved in terms of their video scouting Uh, it's a little bit more broad-based now where more people in a room will have more opinions based on players that they might not get to see on a regular basis by traveling but now through video and then, of course, uh, you have some some of the events that you talked about that were played at you know different times than we're used to seeing the World Juniors, uh, which is usually a pretty good scouting event and would have been this year for sure, but was limited to only two games. So you do have some differences. We're close to normal. We're not quite there yet. But I think once we get to the Halinka Gretzky and we're looking at the 2022 draft class, I think we'll be just about back to normal, save for what's happening in uh, in the Ukraine and Russia. So this past Wednesday um, on Sportsnet.ca, there was the Sportsnet 2022 NHL Draft Prospect Rankings, the final edition, penned by yourself. And and in our opinion, no one knows more about Sam <laughs> than uh, on on uh, draft prospects. At the top of uh, your list uh, was one Shane Wright. Now he's he's been there for a while, but uh, there's been some discussion. Uh, or debate uh, about whether he belongs there. You you have him uh, remaining at number one. Uh, can you talk about Shane and and uh, and why your decision to have him as uh, the number one prospect? Well, it starts for me that he's he's just an unbelievable young man. And I've had the opportunity to spend a bit of time with him over the years, dating back to you know when he was fourteen years old and and winning a an OHL Cup with the Don Mills Flyers, and so. You know, getting uh, to know him there a little bit and throughout the course of the years, you just see an unbelievable uh, person in terms of character. So, you know, it starts for me there. And then I I look at his career and and when it's mattered most for Shane Wright, he's performed really well. Again, at the OHL Cup, uh, you know, with that Don Mills team, extending through being injured yet still being one of the top players for Canada, winning gold at the under-18s last year. And while he did not... Uh, have an opportunity to get his Kingston Frontenacs over the hump and into the next round of the playoffs, he still performed well there. And I think uh, a a lot of people, Rick, were talking a lot about maybe some indifference or lack of compete or, you know, bringing it 
every every shift. And while some of that may be true, uh, I'd still be happy with a 94-point season like Shane put up throughout the course of the year. So I love the fact that he's got great character. I love the fact that he's an excellent player and does a lot of things well. And he does a lot of things subtly um, in terms of the details of his games that, that maybe he doesn't get enough credit for. You mentioned the word subtle, and um, you know one of the, the maybe the knocks on on Shane Wright is that he's not as maybe dynamic. Um, and and is it fair to say that that he's such a smart player uh, that he maybe just doesn't do a lot of um, low percentage kind of plays, and you need to do a low percentage play in order to have that uh, spectacular nature to your game. Well, I think when it comes to Shane, um, you know, a lot of those details that we talk about are are in place. But when you compare him to a Nathan McKinnon and an Austin Matthews, a Connor McDavid, right away those guys jump out at you when you go watch them play for various reasons. But for McKinnon and McDavid, obviously the skating and the puck handling ability at high speed. For Matthews, his ability to score goals. We don't have that with Shane. He doesn't bring that one dynamic element to the table, yet he brings every one of his elements to the game above average. And and for me, that's what's kept him as the number one guy uh, throughout the course of this season. And um, if you're going to look for that McDavid Matthews type of player, it's it's just not in Shane Wright's DNA. He's just not that type of guy. He's a lot more Alexi Lafreniere, who I think, all of us would agree is really starting to come into his own now uh, with the New York Rangers than he is uh, a McDavid, a Matthews or, or McKinnon. I think you have to just understand that that's what this draft year has to offer. And, and that's what Shane brings to the table. So where some of those guys might've gone into their draft years as lesser lights in terms of their play away from the puck or their defensive play, that's not the case for Shane. You talked about character and in and around the, the time of the draft lottery, you did a sit down interview with Shane. I think uh, the final product was about 10 minutes, but but I'll, much of it was and I encourage uh, folks to go to Sportsnet to uh, watch that interview. Um, it, there were a lot of that was about his character, about his um you know, he's a very smart guy. He, they talked about, um, you know, he's a 90% student. They talked about, uh, uh, you talked with him about, uh, there, a story was related about him going on and cleaning the bus. And, and he's just a team guy, a character guy. Um, what sense did you get of his character from him? Oh, for sure. High, highly, highly motivated guy and, and of high character of the greatest standards. You know, I think he already has, uh, you know, professional habits to his game. And, you know, it was a pretty funny story that uh, came out of the NHL Combine with him sitting down with Jeff Gorton and, and Ken Hughes and the rest of the Montreal staff and looking down at the menu in the Buffalo Chop House and seeing a $60 steak and you know I'm sure he was starving and he looks up and uh, hey guys is it okay if I order this $60 steak and you know I can tell you from having seen those guys a couple of nights later at that very same restaurant with the wine they were drinking the $60 shake uh, steak that Shane wanted wasn't not going to be a problem for, for the Montreal Canadians <laughs> well uh, so I, think that, I think that just speaks to his character I mean he's he's, he's just yeah well aware of his surroundings he's polite um he's professional um there's there's a lot to like there for sure speaking of dinners uh logan cooley also got a dinner with the 
the Montreal Canadiens. Apparently, he ordered salmon, and and he chose salmon because uh, the others around the table were ordering salmon. Uh, <laughs> but Logan Cooley might be the uh, the the player who's talked about least um, of the three. Um, can you give your thoughts on him? Yeah, and, and I don't think that should be the case. I mean, this he's an awesome young man. So I went into Plymouth uh, in March and, and watched the, the under-18 uh, program team play in three consecutive games, but also had the opportunity to sit down with uh, with their top-end players just to kind of get a sense for what they were about personality-wise. And at the time, he didn't know who I was. And John Edwards, who's the, the PR person over there with the program, was asked by Logan, like, who is that guy? And John said, well, you should probably know who he is. He does all the rankings <laughs> for Sportsnet. And and Logan's response was, oh, okay, I, I actually have heard of that guy before, but tell him he's gotten me ranked too low. And I thought that was a, that was a great story uh, that I wanted to, to share with you guys, just speaking about how confident he is in his abilities, and he should be. I mean, this guy looks to me a lot like a combination between Trevor Zegers and Jack Hughes. Mm. He's got amazing skating ability. He gets off the mark really quickly. He's got a explosiveness that allows them to you know create on the rush beat defenders outside but also the agility and the mobility to cut it back inside and bring it back to the middle of the ice he's got amazing vision and I love the fact that he has confidence to make plays that a lot of people don't think he can make or should make and I think because of that uh, he's a guy that's probably the most dynamic player that this draft class has to offer and he seemed to perform pretty well at the combine. He tested well. Uh, Yuri Slavkovsky didn't uh, do the physical tests, uh, but uh, in the, the the data that's published, Logan Cooley scored pretty well. Yeah, and you know that's one of the things about the program why so many players that are American born want to end up taking that path is because there's time built into the schedule to get things done off ice. The schooling can be done, you know, right, uh, right on the campus there. They've got a wonderful setup there in Plymouth to allow the students to really um, integrate sports into the, in, into the educational curriculum. So that is definitely one of the key points that they talk about in, in recruiting players to go there. So, you know, having said that, it doesn't surprise me uh, that there was a bit of a gap there where he could kind of, regain his his form after the world under 18s which is a place where he was a really dynamite player and left a a nice lasting impression on scouts but also a a situation in the program where he can build up that strength have a place to work out you know and not just work on uh, what's happening off ice but ice is available to them shooting galleries available to them and, and of course all the strength and conditioning things so it doesn't surprise me that he tested so well um, but again, looking at him um, in terms of from a pure hockey silo, I, I think he's the most dynamic uh, player that this draft class has to offer. Logan likely heading to a, a very good NCAA program at the University of Minnesota next year. The other two may be able to step into the uh, Canadians lineup right away. Is, is that, uh, should that be a concern for uh, the Montreal Canadiens? Well, I think when it comes to Slavkovsky, I mean, you look at his size and, and how much experience he has playing against men already, and you think that he would be able to transition quite seamlessly to the NHL game, especially if he were to maintain his position on the wing where you have less you know, defensive responsibilities and you can play a little higher up in the, in the D zone. Uh, so I think he's a guy who, who's probably ready. Physically, there's no question he's mature enough to do it. I think his game also translates. Uh, there's a real good character kid who, who's uh, extremely coachable. Um, and when it comes to Cooley, 
I'm not so sure that that he wouldn't be able to step in right away. Now, you know, what's interesting about Cooley, if, if everyone believes, as I do right now, that Shane Wright is the first guy off the board, you look at the New Jersey Devils and you're saying to yourself, okay, there's Nico Heischer there and there's Jack Hughes there. Do they need to go with a 5'10", 175-pound center to round out, you know, what they have up the middle? You also have Dawson Mercer there who will transition back to center probably on a full-time basis as early as next year. So you love to have that center depth, but you'd also have to have a little size. So if you do believe Wright's the first guy, Slavkovsky is probably the better fit in terms of his size to go to New Jersey. And then if you're still thinking about Cooley at Montreal, you're thinking about, okay, Dvorak's still got a couple of years left. You're looking at Suzuki as being your number one center, but a guy who's very similar uh, in terms of Cooley, of you know, defensive play, awareness, ability to create, but again, sort of the same size. So, you know, do the Montreal Canadiens think Shane Wright, a little bit bigger, center ice, right shot guy, or do they think, think Slavkovsky because he brings that size to the table that no doubt with some of the smaller forwards that the Canadians have, you know, someone who, who might, um, you know, be able to integrate to, right away into their lineup on the wing because of that size. So I think it's going to be an interesting um uh, dynamic there when you think about Jeff Gordon his ability to build the New York Rangers the way he did aiding Kent Hughes who no doubt uh, has the resume and has the chops in the game for such a long time to be able to perform his general manager duties in this very important spot it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch and I think there's going to be interest right up until we get to uh, you know to that first pick and when the clock starts to strike for the Montreal Canadiens to make that pick. Slavkovsky was the the one um, player of the three that didn't get a dinner with uh, the Montreal Canadiens, but there was a hastily arranged late night kind of uh, meeting. And when asked about it, Slavkovsky, who um, has a bit of personality, said uh, <laughs> that his meeting uh, tasted better than dinner. <laughs> Yeah, and it doesn't surprise me. Like, what an awesome kid. He comes in there. He's, you know, he's he's built like a football player, and uh, he's got the braces on. Still got a bit of a baby face, so to think what he might become down the road is pretty cool. But to have that kind of uh, confidence, to be that candid when speaking about that that late-night meeting, I think it's uh, it's pretty cool and, again, speaks to the great character of, of the young man. What's really exciting, you know, the first overall pick and, and where even those top three are going to fall in those in those first three picks is going to be f- absolutely fascinating to watch. But for Canadians fans, uh, you know, the fun really doesn't end there on on night one of round one of the draft because the Canadians, of course, have that 26th overall pick uh, to work with as well. Um, where what do you what do you see as possibly being a good fit towards the end of the first round that the Montreal Canadiens might make as a target for, for a draft selection at that, at that stage. You know, I mean, it, it, it's interesting because I, I think about Arbor Jack guy who's going to play for Hamilton at the Memorial cup, who was mm-hmm. a Montreal Canadiens uh, free agent signing. I think about Caden Gooley and I just think the world of, of his game. And those two guys, I don't think are too far away from being implemented into the Canadiens lineup. And then you have Romanov there, who uh, you know needs to get his deal done as a restricted guy, but obviously has had a great jump over the last two years in, in his game. And you think about that core defensive group. So getting back to the question and thinking about, okay, one of the three forwards goes with one of those picks the Montreal Canadiens have at first overall. You may want to go back down that road again uh, and, and address the forward situation. But uh, I think there's going to be some defensemen available there that have some size, that might be underrated, might slip a little bit to give them the opportunity to, to go 
and address, uh, you know, the D position because in my opinion, you can't ever have enough of them. I don't know if there's going to be a center of the highest quality at that spot that would be available. Um, and so I'm probably looking at a defenseman in that spot. Now, having said all that, the volatility of this draft may push a number of players down to this position for the Montreal Canadiens to pick that late in the first round that they're going to find a high-value player. I think the other element that has to be considered there is what happens to the Russian-born players, mm -hmm. especially those who are still over in Russia. Alexander Paravolov, a really interesting all-around player. Uh, Ivan Mirishnichenko, does he slip because of the Hodgkin's lymphoma that he seemingly has been able to recover from and should play as early as the start of next year? Is it a guy like Danila Yurov, who's probably a top 10 talent, again, a really good all-around player, super skilled guy? Does he slip down to that spot? And the potential with, you know, multiple picks in round two and round three might give the opportunity for Ken Hughes to go down the road of, of really taking a shot or a flyer on one of those Russian players who you're not sure if you're going to be able to get over here, but know that you might find value in that spot because of where they pick. So that dynamic is going to be fascinating for me. I think that 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 home run sort of potential may uh, play itself out down at that at that pick for Montreal. And it would be interesting to see that in their first go around, second round pick, you know, in their own building, if they're willing to take a, a little bit of a of a gamble there. The uh, draft combine was uh, as we we talked about uh, back live again in in uh, Buffalo. And uh, you had some time to spend there and, and uh, um, interviewed many of, of the prospects. Uh, I wonder if you could talk about just a, a memorable moment that you had with, uh, with one of the prospects uh, at the Combine. Well, there were, there were three things that kind of stuck out to me. Ryan Chesley's the defenseman in the U.S. Under-18 program and, and a guy who walked into the room and basically said he, he believes he's the best defender in the, in the class. And while he may be right, it's a pretty bold statement to make amongst the, <laughs> the best players in the age group, uh, you know, in the world. The next thing that stuck out to me was um, um, Morgan Geeky. Uh, plays for the Winnipeg Ice, probably a you know top 10 to 15 pick here in this draft. His brother, uh, Morgan, plays in the National Hockey League. Connor, of course, made his mark with the Winnipeg Ice here this year. And, you know, during the course of his interview, we asked him, is there something that maybe people don't know a lot about you? And he said, yeah, I, I'm into lyrics. I like lyrics. So what does that mean? Well, I, I hear a song and I just remember the lyrics. And I said, okay, well... Why don't you belt out some lyrics for us? And he ended up singing a you know a, a country song for us, two or three lines of the song. And I thought, wow, this is kind of like Canadian Idol. Like, what a cool <laughs> moment for that young man to have the, I guess the the gusto to say, hey, I'm going to sing in front of all these people that I don't know. And and it was uh, it was pretty awesome. So uh, again, a lot of different moments. I think Marco Casper is another guy who really struck me as as being that professional type player coming in a beautiful suit well-dressed handsome kid you know obviously a very good player in his own right left the uh, uh, Austria at 16 to go live on his own in, in Sweden in order to play in the SHL so that story struck me quite a bit uh, but I th there were a lot of different moments throughout but those would probably be my uh, three or four most uh, most favorite and a little bit of juggling went on as well a little bit of juggling with uh, <laughs> with Cutter Goche uh yeah, we had this sort of scenario play out with Cole Caulfield, as as you know, uh, mm -hmm. when he was uh, in our room, he said, I can juggle. Well, we, the closest thing we had to juggle was Timbits, and the same <laughs> thing happened for Goche, and uh, he performed it quite well, and at the very end of it, 
uh, juggled the last uh, timbit right into his mouth, and I thought, what a what a way to finish! <laughs> way to make an impression, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All those years of hockey, just focus on that juggling, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. Well, Sam, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, it's it's a truly exciting time of year uh, as the future of the NHL uh, starts to to get mapped up mapped out here this summer we really appreciate you taking some time out of your very busy schedule to to join us on the podcast today and and offer your insight we always value uh everything that you have to say and of course we welcome you back again very soon yeah a real pleasure amy and rick thanks so much for for reaching out and reconnecting us here i'm i'm happy to be a part of it once again a big thank you to sam cosentino for joining us on this show uh here at the canadians connection this week uh we always value his insight his knowledge and just how tuned in he is to prospects leading up to the draft and it was really fun having him on the show again today can't wait to have him back again soon uh right now we are actually going to take our next commercial break I'm going to duck out of the studio. Michael Spinella is going to take back over the hosting chair with Rick Stevens coming up in the next segment. So stay with us. You are listening to the Canadians Connection podcast right here on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Welcome back to episode 196 of Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and you can visit our website, canadiansconnection.com. 
Feel free to also text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line 5853 Rocket. So thank you very much to Sam uh, Cosentino for stepping in with uh, Rick and Amy and doing that wonderful interview talking about the draft. I still think the Montreal's probably going to go with the Shane Wright, but uh, we'll see. We'll find out pretty soon. How's it going, Rick? Going great. Uh, that interview with with Sam. There, there's there's no one who knows this stuff better than Sam Cosentino, and and uh, uh, it was a pleasure to have him on the show to provide his insight. Um, but as always, uh, this is the Have Your Say uh, segment. So we want to hear from you. We want to hear from our listeners. Who would you have the, the Montreal Canadiens take uh, with the first overall uh, pick? Would it be uh, Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, or Uri Slavkovsky? And, uh, well, do you have a quick pick that you can send our way there, Rick? I'm I'm uh, I'm going to reveal that next week. I want to hear what the what the listeners have to say uh, first, and and then we might have a discussion about that next week. Perfect, sounds good. So first off, I'll uh, just give everyone a little update on what's going on over at allhaves.net. Uh, there is quite a bit of news and. Rocket Sports is going to cover it all. Make sure you go to allhabs.net. Check out the All Habs Hockey Magazine. Uh, Weekly, we have our Habs notepad and our Habs headline, so we'll keep you up to date there. Plus, head over to YouTube. All Habs Magazine is what you're going to search, and you're going to check out Habs Hockey Report. Every Thursday, the amazing Amy Johnson hosts this. And, uh, well, this past uh, week, uh, she put out a video entitled... Heartbreak for Laval Rocket. Uh, She'll get you all up to date on what happened to the Laval Rocket in the playoffs. Plus, uh, she gives you updates on everything Montreal Canadiens. You'll hear plenty of audio on that. And to be honest, subscribe, give it a like. She also loves to read your comments. She'll reply and she could read it on the next episode. For sure. Um, Lots of, we provide content in all kinds of different ways. We know you're busy, especially in the summer. There's the capsule pieces on, uh, you know, quick reads on, on allhabs.net. Or if you want to watch a video on YouTube, youtube.com slash allhabs. We provide the podcasts. Uh, always looking to keep you up to date uh, as a Montreal Canadiens fan. Yep, every Saturday going right through the summer, Canadians Connection will be here. And also, make sure you check out the Press Zone. We'll keep you up to date with Laval Rocket and everything Habs Prospects. Uh, Next week, the Press Zone podcast, Amy and Rick will have extensive audio from Laval Rocket Locker Room Cleanout Day. So make sure you check out that and subscribe. For sure. Um, And and next week is going to be a good show. Uh, Laval Rocket, uh, we, we heard from most players. We heard from J.F. Uhl and their reflections on the season and what they're looking forward to next season. Uh, it's 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 particularly important episode of the Press Zone. Uh, find it on your favorite podcast app or thepresszone.fm. So now it's time for the Canadians Connection question of the week. Uh, do you approve of the trade? of Montreal Canadiens captain Shea Weber. So make sure you head over to All Habs on Facebook. Leave a comment. We want to hear from you. Uh, Do you like this trade? Do you not like it? I want to read it. Facebook.com slash All Habs. We have about 50,000 Montreal Canadiens fans, and there's already a lot of love over there, I can tell you. Uh, on the Shea Weber post, um, a real deep appreciation for uh, the the leadership uh, for his performance on the ice, but 
but also for the leadership he brought to the organization. So we have a few important upcoming dates uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. As we mentioned, we have a whole bunch of prospects playing in the Memorial Cup tournament. That starts on June the 20th. Hamilton Bulldogs versus St. John Sea Dogs. So make sure you turn into that one. Plus, don't forget, um, well, hopefully it's not too late by the time you're listening to this, but uh, Sunday, June the 19th, it's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Uh, Now's the time to run out to the gas station and pick up a quick gift for your dad. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers, especially the hockey dads. Uh, This is my first Father's Day without my dad. lost my first uh, hockey coach uh, back in November, but... You know, he, the example that, that he provided was a roadmap for me uh, for a life that uh, was filled with honor, integrity, responsibility, strong family values. So uh, celebrate with your dads uh, this weekend and, and enjoy. That's going to be a wrap for us today. Thank you all for listening. Subscribe to Canadians Connection in the player or on your favorite podcast app. Also, you can share on social media if you like what you hear. Enjoy the week. We'll see you back here next Saturday, June the 25th, for another great episode. Thank you all once again for listening to Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians.